Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week, we talk about digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital, and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. More importantly, we talk about digital storytelling and how can we figure out a way to tell our story online. If we're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, how can you get your story out so that more people know what you're doing, they know about your goods, they know about your services, or they know about your cause. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest, uh, one of our friends in podcasting, uh, Jason Jepson, who runs Talking During Movies podcast, a phenomenal podcast that I was lucky to be on to talk about swingers. Um, he introduced me today to today's guest, and that's Nelson Tressler. Uh, Nelson has an unbelievable story, which I'm going to let him tell you. He's got an unbelievable past, um, but more importantly, he's just a great human. And he made such an impact on Jason that he recommended we bring him on to Digital Hospitality and talk about not only his pain, but also what he's doing um, to to live his purpose. So Nelson, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Sean. I appreciate it. So um, let's let's get to the pain to, to, to start it off. I know you're well-versed in telling your story, but uh, let our let our listeners in to, to who, who is Nelson. Yeah, I've, I've got quite the origin story. Um, my mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And while she was pregnant with, with me, her father the local trash collector in a small town in central Pennsylvania drove into the town square, spotted two police officers, stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those police officers, killing one and critically wounding another. And eventually my grandfather was captured and brought to stand trial for uh, the murder that he committed where he was facing the death penalty. And during his trial, my mom uh, got up and testified to the jury that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that that police officer had raped her and she was now pregnant with uh, with his baby, me. And um So uh, my mom's testimony worked. Uh, The first trial ended in a hung jury. Uh, Eventually, the state took the death penalty off the table, and my grandfather was found guilty and served the rest of his life more than 40 years behind bars. Uh, leaving behind my mom, me, and uh, my mom came from a family of 15 children, you know, in this small town to kind of deal with the wake of of what he had done. And, uh, you know, being uh, being uh, the child of a 15-year-old mother, you know, unfortunately, my life didn't get any easier after that. Uh, my mom eventually met a man who would become my stepfather. Come to find out he was an alcoholic, uh, very physically and emotionally abusive to me and my mom and um, dealing with all of that. Eventually, they had four other children. And uh, because of the lifestyle they were living, a lot of the basic needs of my siblings kind of fell upon me as the oldest, you know, changing diapers, uh, feeding bottles, waking up in the middle of the night to put crying babies back to sleep. And, you know, that had a huge strain on on my uh, childhood and, and schooling in particular. You know, my mom uh, would rather me stay home and help her with the kids than go to school. And I remember in the fourth grade, you know, you, you're always excited on the last day of school to see who you're going to have for homeroom the, the coming year. And I remember looking down and seeing that I had straight F's and that I would be repeating the fourth grade. And it shouldn't have come as, as a surprise. You know, I probably missed 50 or 60 days of school that year. Um, 
you know, the next year they placed me into special ed to try to get the help that I needed. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I still can't spell, you know, come to find out I have dyslexia. And uh, eventually, you know, one day, though, my uh, stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar and there was somebody else driving home drunk from that bar and they ended up hitting and killing him. And, um, you know, as hard as my mom's life has been to this point, uh, you know, losing my stepfather pretty much broke her and left her with no hope. I mean, she had dropped out of school in the eighth grade, you know, and had lived this, uh, you know, hard, hard life. And now she was left to try to figure out how to care for five small children on her own. And it was at this time that she decided that she was going to take her own life and she attempted suicide. And fortunately, she was not successful. But when she got out of the hospital, uh, it was then that she determined that she uh, couldn't couldn't care for all of us. And that's when my family got split up. And I went to go live with my grandmother, who was the wife of the uh, man who shot and killed the police officer. And there, you know, for the first time, there was always food in the house. There was always heat. The lights always turned on when you hit the switches and uh, didn't have to worry about my stepfather coming home drunk and uh, beating me or my mom. So that's kind of where my life took that, that first turn to where I started reflecting upon, you know, where my life was going to end up and started to look into the future and determine what type of life I wanted to have. That is beyond tragic beyond something that anyone can comprehend and the courage that you have to continue to share that story, I think probably propelled you to do the work that you're doing today. Um, you're an accomplished author, you're an accomplished speaker, an accomplished businessman. More importantly, you're an accomplished father. Um, please tell us uh, a little bit about your grandmother, because I, I too was raised by my grandparents. Um, I never met my father. Uh, I've only seen two pictures of him and, you know, becoming a dad made that pain more abundant. Um, I never had resentment for not knowing my father, but having a son and looking at his eyes and reading to him and realizing I would do anything on this earth to protect him and to take care of him. How is it possible to know that there's someone there or not? That was when I started, you know, having more resentment and started to deal with that. But I've, I'm so grateful and I've never let, lived with resentment because of my grandfather. It was my yeah. grandfather and my grandmother. You know, my mom, she was she was a single mother as well. Um, she married an abusive um, uh, husband that also abused her, but also, you know, birthed my, my two stepbrothers. But nonetheless, you've confronted those things. Tell me about your grandmother. Yeah, you know, uh, and I'll probably botch, the, botch this, but... You know, the one thing I, I, I heard this one story and, and this guy is with his son and he's in the same situation both of us were, where they, they they didn't know their father and they had that resentment. But, you know, if you had to trade it, you know, um, would you trade being the father who's enjoying their son or would you trade being the son who didn't get to enjoy his father? And that's one of the things that, man, I would never trade what I'm having with my kids. Uh, and that's, that's kind of helped me through some of that stuff. But um, yeah, my gram, uh, she was a saint. Um, you know, she, uh, she had 15 children. 
she, you know, she was also in an abusive relationship with my grandfather and the, and the type of man that, that she was, but, or he was, but you know, what, one thing I, you know, my mom was 15 when she had me. So I kind of live with her the first few years of our, of our lives. And one thing that my grandma had told me almost every day, I, I, I saw her was Nelson, you're going to make something out of your life. And she told me that so often. And, and, uh, you know, I started to believe it and I, I loved her so much and I didn't want to let her down. And I think that's some of the drive early on. And, and, and even now was because of how much she believed in me. But, you know, when, when I live with her, uh, I remember one day, you know, her, and her one role was, she didn't care how well you did in school. I mean, education was never that big of a priority in, in our family, but her one rule was you were going to go to school. And that was probably to give her a break, you know, having 15 children. And then she ended up raising another 10 or so grandchildren. Uh, that was her probably only break. So at least I started to go to school on a regular basis. And one day a counselor came from Penn State University and talked about what it was going to take to get into college. And I remember thinking to myself, if I could graduate from college, my my life would be set, you know, that would solve all of my problems. And, you know, as you tell yourself, you're going to try to do something hard and difficult, that voice in the back of your brain just starts screaming at you all the things, you know, all the reasons you shouldn't even attempt it. Right. And I remember thinking, Nelson, you're in special ed. You can't read, you can't write, you can't spell. Of the family that I came from, of, of my Graham's 15 children, only two had ever graduated from high school. You know, none had ever attended a call a college. And I start thinking, man, I'll be lucky to graduate high school, uh, let alone go to college. But, you know, I, I had nothing to lose. So I started to do the things I thought I could do to get into college. And, you know, 12 years later, four different universities, four years in the Air Force. And I finally achieved that goal of becoming the first person in my family to graduate from college. That's incredible. What uh, was your grandmother around when you graduated? She was. Yeah. My, my gram died about six years ago. So, uh, yeah. And she couldn't have been prouder. Uh, you know, all, always my biggest fan. And, and, and I don't know what this world would do without grandparents. Yeah. I think, uh, for those that are raised by their grandparents, it's something it, it's different. It's a generational gap, but it's, uh, it's the respect, it's the traditions, it's, you know, the heritage, it, it's different. It's different when you have that age, those, you know, the, those amounts of years. Um, I mean, people know when, you know, it's now that I have, now that I have children and, you know, I talk to my friends that have kids and, you know, you see their parents and, you know, I have so many friends that their parents, essentially, I was like a bonus child to them. You know, my yeah, best yeah. man, Jack, you know, his father and his mother, his sisters, like they're bonus sisters and they're bonus, like, but then they have kids and then they become grandparents. And it's just, there's this special bond when you see that generational, that lineage of passing down of traditions and, and hardship. You know, I think, you know, the, the hardship is something that the matter of perspective, you know, knowing my grandfather was born in a village, he was born into poverty, he was born to be a farmer, um, you know, in Bulgaria. And 
that's really what he was supposed to do. But he he not only got out of Bulgaria, but he did it through perseverance. You know, during World War II, he had to study German in order to study medicine. It was the only medical school that would accept him was in Germany, like because he didn't have privilege, because he didn't have wealth. Even though he was the best student in all of Bulgaria, he couldn't get into the Bulgarian medical schools. And yet he's in Germany during World War II. The Nazis are trying to recruit him to go to war, but he's an international student. He says he just wants to take care of people and get his medicine degree. Like that's the life he lived. And when I think about the problems that I have running our barbecue media business, you know, trying to expand, trying to, you know, take care of uh, pivoting into a digital first restaurant, like it, it just pales in comparison, you know, it pales in comparison, but it's, it's those stories that you pass on. It's the things, the hardships that you went through instead of burying them under the rug, which so many people do, you are, sharing it, not only to help others, but you're also, I'm guessing, helping yourself become a better dad. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I did bury, uh, this, I mean, whenever I joined the air force to, uh, you know, get money on the GI bill, I never moved back to that small town because of all the pain and, 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 you know, resentment that I had and everything that I represented and my family represented back there. I, I hated what that was. And when I joined the air force for the first time, my last name didn't mean anything to the people that I met. And I could really be anybody and anything that I wanted to be. And the only person that I told kind of the circumstances of my birth was my wife before I, you know, asked her to marry me. I figured she deserved to know, but I didn't tell my children. I didn't tell my friends or my in-laws. And for the longest time, those circumstances weakened me and, and I didn't like to even think about them. But then when I started thinking about what I was going to do with the rest of my life after I sold a few businesses and determined, you know, thinking about what, why did I live that type of life? And, you know, I, I determined I lived it so that I could help other people and inspire other people. And I went through the, you know, the, that with my birth, um, for so that I could prove that I could get through stuff like that. And for the first time in my life, I started to give those events a positive meaning. And I truly believe we get to assign meaning to everything that happens to us in this life. Why not assign a good meaning to, to everything that happens to us. And the same events that used to weaken me and I, I regretted and didn't want to even think about now they strengthened me you know, same events. I just started giving them a different meaning and a meaning of hope and inspiration and help for others. And now I love to tell that story because I know people are touched by it and people are inspired by it. I think it's very powerful because there's a lot of things that we internalize, you know, especially as men, as people, as leaders, as people that are running companies. But when you actually externalize it, when you tell someone it's the same thing in recovery. I'm an alcoholic. I go to recovery. I'm sober. But by sharing it, now I'm acknowledging the problem and it's no longer a weakness. It becomes a strength. Yeah. I think absolutely. that's what, what was, how did it feel when you first verbalized it to your wife or your wife to be? Yeah. I mean, it was embarrassing, uh, you know, that I had to tell her that. And again, uh, you know, it weakened me. I, ne I didn't have any good experiences with, 
you know, that situation and, and what it meant in my life. And, you know, in my book, the unlucky sperm club, you know, I talk about some of the situations of growing up in that small town and how I was treated and, you know, uh, you know, everything from, you know, fathers following us to the dance because they're afraid that we're going to pull over and rape their daughter. And, um, you know, I, I, mistakenly dated, uh, uh, the granddaughter of, uh, one of the, the, the police officer who su- survived my grandfather's shooting and her father telling me never to come back. And she wasn't allowed to see me anymore. And so, I mean, I just, I hated that whole part of my life. And, you know, I felt like I had escaped it whenever I joined the air force and never went back there, but uh, yeah, it, it weakened me, but, you know, I told her and, you know, my wife, you know, understood and, you know, didn't judge me and, and that, you know, I didn't know that was going to be the case either. It was kind of a crapshoot whether or not she was going to, you know, run it when she heard that story, but she didn't. And, uh, you know, her knowing that was definitely liberating. And, and now that, you know, I've told this story and using it to inspire and motivate other people, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have survived that. I don't know if I'm happy to have gone through it, but I'm happy to survived it and, and be able to use that story to, to help others now. So after you tell your wife, do you do anything else? Is there any therapy that you go through? What's the next step in your, in your story, in your journey towards confronting this and, and not only moving on from it, but, you know, actually building a platform to share it, to give other people strength and hope. So I, you know, I've been married. I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. So, uh, you know, it was 25 years ago that I told my wife, maybe 26. Um, thank you. And, uh, but she was the only one I told. I mean, I never told my children. I never told my friends or anything. And I pretty much just forgot about that and never thought about it. And then, you know, I, I sold a couple businesses and I got to the stage of my life. Like, what was I going to do next? And, um, you know, I, I, determined like, Hey, I want to use my story. I want to, I want to use goals and personal development to help other people live out their dreams. And that's, you know, and then that's when I started to think about this again and, and determined that I was going to use it, but I've never thought about it. And I think one of the most therapeutic things I did was write my book, the unlucky sperm club. And it really gave me that opportunity to get in there and relive those memories. But as I was writing them, I was writing them out of inspiration and motivation. And I think that helped so much, you know, having that point of view and writing that type of book, as opposed to, you know, talking about it in a, in a negative point of view. So tell me about the unlucky sperm club. I mean, obviously it's the basis of your story, but tell me about the, the philosophies behind it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a memoir slash self-help. And like I said, you know, I've told you a little bit of my story. Uh, This goes into a lot of the businesses, you know, it, it it takes place uh, in my childhood, but it flashes, you know, forward to uh, the great recession, 2000, you know, eight, nine, 10 and 11. And some of the struggles that I was going through there with some of my businesses and, and uh, my relationship with my wife, you know, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, but, you know, we were separated a couple times and, you know, um, 
received counseling a few times. And, and that's what the unlucky sperm club is for is like, no matter, you know, the, the subtitle is you are not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. That's what I wanted to convey is even though I was born in some pretty rough circumstances, uh, you know what, that wasn't going to define me. Uh, my choices were, and that's what I wanted to convey with that book. And, and I also wanted to pull back the curtain because I think a lot of times people will see somebody who, you know, has some success or they perceive to be successful. And they think that it was always that way. And they think that they never had issues or struggles or trials. And, you know, that is almost never the case. I mean, I love reading biographies and, and seeing successful people and almost without exception, all those people were one or two choices away from failing and, and you never even hearing about them, but because they persevered and because they got through those tough times, now they're household names. And I wanted people to realize that's the way their life should can be too, is there's struggles, there's trials. We, everybody goes through them. The difference is, is you got to keep going when you hit those trials and, and get through them. If, if you're going to live the type of life that you want to live. I, I appreciate you sharing the, the difficulties because <laughs> the, the parallels in business and the parallels in being a father and being a husband are, are the same, you know, celebrating 25 years. It's an incredible, an incredible feat. I mean, we, we, we say I do and it's eternal and it's forever, but anybody that's in a marriage knows that it's work. You know, you have to put in work on both sides and, you know, I'm been going on my own personal health journey, you know, trying to lose 70 pounds before I turned 40 years old, you know, doing a sunrise gratitude walk every single day for the last year and six days. I think it is today. Um, awesome. But nonetheless, like I need to have wife gratitude as well. You know, I need yeah. to focus on how do I be a better husband? Because if I'm not a better husband to my wife, like whenever you have kids, we always shift all the priorities. Every Everyone that's had a child, you know that everything shifts to take care of that child. That's the most important thing on earth, which of course it is. But then you have another child, both of them are the most important thing. But we forget that there has to be the husband and wife relationship. Like literally my son is going to learn how I treat, how to treat women from how I, how I am to my wife. My daughter's yeah. going to learn that same relationship. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, the struggles because that's, that's, that's honest, you know? Well, and me and me and my wife always joke, you know, we've been married 25 years and I always say, you know, it was the happiest 17 years of my life because <laughs> there were some hard years in there. And I'm like, man, it flew by. It only felt like five minutes underwater, yeah. you know, and <laughs> he doesn't like those jokes, but I love them. Yeah. They're great. Uh, no, you know, but, but it, it is hard, but uh, you know, the one thing that kind of changed our relationship and, and I talk about this in the book is I came from this hard childhood and in this hard life. And I didn't want my kids to live in that type of life or with that type of family. And I went off to conquer the world and provide for my family. And, and I had some good success and we were living in a nice house and driving nice cars and going to good schools. And I felt like I was doing everything on my end that I could do. And 
for some reason, I expected to come home to my Stepford wife to have these three well manicured boys, you know, sitting at a dinner table with the napkin over their lap and a seven course meal. And that's not what I was getting. And I started to resent my wife because I'm like, she's not doing her share. You know what? The bank accounts are full. She's driving a new car like it, but yet she can't, you know, we have to heat up macaroni and cheese for dinner because she doesn't, you know, and I, I had these huge expectations for her and it, it was brutal on our marriage. But the one thing that I learned was, you know, and somebody told me is, you know, replace your expectations with appreciation. And as soon as I started appreciating her for how awesome she was, you know, I couldn't make sense of it. Everybody around her thought she was this incredible person and, you know, they loved her. And I'm like, what are they looking at? But they were, they appreciated all the good in her. And I had these expectations that nobody could have lived up to. And that's what I was judging her off of. But as soon as I took that, you know, that uh, expectation and replaced it with appreciation, that's when our relationship changed. And that's when we really started to flourish as a couple and as a family. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've gone through our own struggles and it's, you know, it was difficult for us to have children. Um, you know, it was like three years before we had our son and we had doctors saying, you, you know, just the net, take the natural course, things will happen. And then we had other doctors saying it won't happen. You need to, you know, do in vitro, you need to do all these different things. And we were, you know, so blessed to have not only my son, but then, you know, my daughter came a year and a half later and they're both the most amazing things. But when you have two children that are both young ages, you know, we moved, we, you know, we, we moved from a, a small condo to, you know, a house and, you know, there's just so much pressure on all of these different factors of life that we don't deal with it. And we don't talk our way through. We're just literally in survival mode, yeah. but until you slow down. And like you said, start to appreciate the things that are great in your relationship that's when you can actually start living. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about the, uh, the impact that you've seen from writing the book, from publishing the book? Yeah. I mean, I've had incredible feedback and I mean, that that's what keeps me going every day. You know, fortunately now just about every day I'm getting some sort of a, you know, a, a direct message or, you know, a, a response on social media of how they've loved the book and, and it was incredible and it changed their lives. I mean, this weekend I was at one of my son's baseball games and, you know, one of the dads pulled me aside and said, you know, Nelson, I, you know, and our, our other sons, our older sons had played together, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And he's like, I always looked at you and your family like you had it all together. And, uh, you know, and then I read your book and realized that you were going through it. And he's like, after I've read that book, I've started to treat my wife better and, and really focus on my family. And you hear those type of things and, and that the book has really shifted people's thought process and made them want to become better versions of themselves. And it's just like, it's very humbling because, you know, that's why I wrote it, but I didn't really expect, I don't know. I don't know that I, if I didn't ex expect it or whatever, but just the response that I've been getting has just been so humbling and gratifying. And, you know, I'm just super proud of the book and super proud of what it's doing for people who read it. And tell me about the program that you have and the, the work that you're doing to support people that read the book or that are inspired to, to deal with their scars. 
Yeah. So, so, I mean, you, you, you see the life that I was born into and after graduating from college and becoming that first person to graduate from college, I became obsessed with goals and personal development. And, you know, I've had some good successes in businesses and we sold a a couple of businesses a few years ago. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? You know, I didn't want to just sit down and watch waves crash on the shore. I wanted to do something. And I thought about, you know, goals and personal development. And I had helped some people and given some talks on it and became known as that goal guide. Um, And I'm just like, you know what? I see people like I see the unfortunate guy on the street corner holding a sign. And then you see the billionaire climbing into his jet to go off to, you know, some beautiful place. And the only thing that's different between those two are the choices that they make. And, uh, you know, we all get that 24 hours in in a day to use. That's the great equalizer. And I just wanted to, you know, give people a program, um, you know, that could help them achieve their life's biggest goals. And so I sat down for two years and uh, wrote out the I Got Smarter program. And it's an acronym that, you know, helps them. But I wanted to make it nice and easy for people because I think that's when people fail is when they're not crystal clear on their goals, you know, and then uh, it's too hard or it's too, you know, too much to do. So I built it into an app that they can use on their phone and uh, just been having incredible uh, responses from people and, and just loving it. And really, you know, from people who cringe when they hear the word goal, because they've never been able to get past January on their new year's resolutions to guys who, you know, have used goals in every area of their lives, no matter who uses the app, it takes their goal achievement to the next level. And we've built in so many things, you know, we don't have time to get into now, but you know, one of the best things I think is that success partner. You can invite a partner through the app that you guys can see live when you're doing your morning ritual, your evening ritual, when you've checked off your goal to do. And, you know, I've just made it as simple as possible. And, you know, the one thing is you can't fail if you don't quit. And that's really where I've designed this app and this program to is to, you know, give you every opportunity not to quit on your, your dreams and your goals. And what's the name of the apps and available in all the app stores? Yeah, it's called, I got smarter, all one word. Um, and it's, yeah, it's available on Apple and Android. Tell me about developing an app. You know, I'm not a tech, I'm not a tech guy. So, um, you know, this has all been new for me, but you, you know, I've been through, 10 businesses. And I know that ebb and flow, man, I know you have those good days and those hard days, but, and you just have to get through them. But yeah, doing a technology based company has been eye opening for me because I needed help to turn on this computer to have this podcast, you know, that, that shows you (laughs) where I'm at tech technology wise, but uh, you know, I've surrounded myself with some really good people, but you know, just like any goal um, when we first designed this program, it was called six months to success. And it was uh, it was a program where people met in person uh, as uh, success partners and you met in a group and you know, you had a goal guide over you, but 
you know, then this lovely thing called COVID struck and all of a sudden it's not fashionable to meet in groups anymore. So, you know, we've had to redesign the app so that you could use it individually and, and invite a success partner and it be intuitive because you didn't have somebody there to tell you how to use it. So, you know, that, that's the way life is. That's the way business is. And, and, you know, it'll throw you curveballs, and you just have to keep going and, and react. And that's what we've done with this app. And it's nowhere near where we want it to be, but it's, it's, it's awesome. And we just continue to make it better. And that's what I want to do, you know, for the next 10 years is just make this app, uh, something that, you know, people will look to, to be able to design a life they couldn't have imagined. I mean, I think it's fascinating, especially right now. It's such an interesting space to be in. You know, like I said, on my own weight loss journey, I'm using the Gnome app or Noom. I'm not even sure how it's produced, but it's psychology based. You know, I'm tracking my calories. I'm logging how much water I'm weighing in every day. But it's, you know, it also has a psychology part, a partner that will check in on me and my status. Um, but the really the powerful thing is when I first verbalized, you know, that I was overweight with my best man, Jack and told him, you know, Hey, I'm just, I'm having trouble getting, getting back, getting healthy eating. It's really eating. You know, I've, I've gotten the, the physical part down and he's like, well, why don't we just text each other what we're eating? And he became my success partner. Like, but by doing the act of doing it, by yeah. sending him a photo, not only does it hold me accountable for what I ate, but it also prepares me to go, well, he's eating better than I am. <laughs> like, like I should make something better or I don't need to eat that heavy at dinner. And then that's helped me put me in a better place for this. There's also another another app called Spar, which is a, it's money based. So it's like, you know, you have to do the Peloton five days a week and Kyle Whistle, who does incredible work here and in, locally in San Diego for real estate. Um, we've had him on the podcast, but he invited me to it, but it's the accountability part. You know, oh. I developed by developing an app like you're doing to hold people accountable to their goals. And by checking in with the success partner and by having a guide, I mean, it, it's incredible. It's a powerful thing. Once you, get over your fear of technology. And I think that's one of the things we really try to do on, on digital hospitality on the podcast is let people know, like, I'm not a technology guy either. I host a podcast called digital hospitality. Like I own a barbecue media company, but I'm producing a video of me using a Traeger, but I'm not the expert. I'm the guy that goes and hires experts, surrounds myself yeah. with people much smarter than I am. But technology is the same way. Like we need to get over our own fears of using the phone, of using the computer and build on the backs of giants. And if you do that and you're purpose driven, you can create an incredible company and incredible solutions, what you're doing for people. I mean, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, and, and, and I love that, you know, you're, you're seeing that, that value of having that success partner. I mean, you increase your, your likelihood of achieving your goal by 95%. And that's why we built that into our program. And, and it, it makes a huge difference. And I, I love your take, you got to take a picture. If, if, every one of us had to take a picture of what we were going to eat and send it to somebody who knew <laughs> that we set a goal to lose weight. I guarantee you, we would all eat a lot less and eat, eat better food. So that I love hearing that. 
Well, I mean, it's it, it. I don't know where I heard it. It was a podcast or a video or whatever it was. But it was, you know, if you have a goal, it's one thing. Like we were talking about before, if you internalize it, it's just it's it's internal. But once you make it external, once you write it down, once you tell someone, once you share it on the internet, and you say, "Hey, I'm going to lose 70 pounds," like it's amazing what will happen because it's not just about me losing weight. It people start to think like, oh, well, I've always wanted to do that too. And that's the inspirational part by you writing a book about, it's not that no one's gone through that experience. That's your experience. That's your story. But through your story, someone else recognizes pain. Yeah. Someone else recognizes the pain that I have of not losing weight. So now I've verbalized it, but then now you have people giving you feedback. Hey, this is how I did it. Hey, I have a brother that he tried this, you know, 75 hard challenge by Anthony for whatever it is. But then we gather that information and what we do with it, it becomes ours. We internalize it, but by sharing it. And that's, you know, one of the most important things I talk about every single week on the podcast is by sharing it. You know, yeah. it seems weird. It seems selfish. It seems prideful to take a picture when I'm out on my hike in the morning of me on the hike. Like, oh, yay, Sean, like, you're so great. You're so fucking great. You did a hike. Like, it's actually not even for me. It's yeah. the inspiration for somebody else that sees it that goes, I've, I I need to get outside. I need let, to get let, physical. Let me share something with you that because as I, you know what? I never put myself out there before in, in all of my other businesses. A, a lot of the companies that I owned, people didn't even know I owned them because I just wanted to stay back. But as I started this company, you know, and building a personal brand, <laughs> no, geez, hiding here, no hiding here. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's been really hard for me, but I, I read this or listened to it, but you know, when there's coast guard swimmers and there's a, a shipwreck and there's too many people in the water to save these coast guard swimmers, do you, do you know who they save first? The people who swim towards them. And, uh, that's what you're doing is you, you don't you don't care about the people who are splashing water in your face and yelling at you that you're not swimming right or fast enough or whatever. You're swimming towards those people who are swimming towards you. And that's who you're going to help. And that has helped me tremendously as I've put myself out there and you get those haters at you. But I'm not there for them. I'm there for the people who are swimming towards me, hearing my message and, and want to be inspired and and motivated by what I have to say. I, I absolutely love that. We talk all the time about the, the rising tide lifts all ships. And, you know, it was recently actually my best man that I told you about before, Jack, he, he told me, you know, there's, there's, it's the rising tide lifts all ships and there's a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, there's two of those, those sayings are, you know, you, you see them frequently all, all around, but do you know what the difference between a boat and a ship is? I don't. A boat can fit inside of a ship. So really what we're talking about with digital hospitality, anybody that's listening to this podcast, that's hearing Nelson's story, that hears what we talk about, that hears the guests, it's like, you're part of this rising tide. Like you're a ship, you are a ship. You're doing what so many people aren't doing. You're actually, we say, stay curious, get involved, ask for help. You're already curious. You've already taken the step to get involved by listening to the podcast, by watching the video. Now you need to ask for help. And then you need to ask the universe, tell people, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. Share the vulnerability and that vulnerability becomes a strength. Yeah, you become absolutely. part of that rising tide. And there's boats around you that you can lift up around you. Every single person has a story, no matter where they are on this earth, You know, no matter what business you're in, once you start sharing, and it's very uncomfortable. 
I'll tell you personally, I've told, I talk about it all the time, how hard it is to be a guy from San Diego that's talking about professional slow smoke barbecue. And then to tell people we're becoming a barbecue media company. I mean, I, I've been laughed out of the room all the time. I still get laughed at, but I don't care. You know, I still have people who are like, you know, why would you share that you're 70 pounds overweight? I do it and it's actually more empowering. And the more that I do it, it's caring about the smallest viable audience. It's about caring about those swimmers, the ones that are swimming to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the one thing, the reason I love goals and personal development so much is that, you know, our, our motto at I Got Smarter is we want to change the world one person and one inspiring goal at a time. And the way that we change the world is by changing that person's world who's in the program. Because once you change that person's world, you know, it, goals are a magical thing. I mean, um, they're generational. And uh, once you change that one person's, you're not just changing their life, you're changing everybody else's life that follows them. I mean, I'm the perfect example of this, you know, the life that I lived, you know, my kids are living a drastically different life now, because of that, you know, that first goal of becoming that person to graduate from college. And, and their kids' lives will be different because of that. So we're not just talking one person here. We're, we're talking generations with people who live to their potential and strive to become that best version of themselves through goals and personal development. I love that. Uh, one of the things David Meltzer, my mentor, teaches me is to uh, not only ask for help, but to be a conduit for more help. Um, what can we do? What can I do? What can our listeners do to help you? on your mission. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, I think the book is a, a great place to start with people and, and to read that and be inspired. And I think that will kind of, uh, motivate people and then use this app. I mean, I get, you will achieve your goals. You will accomplish things that you never thought possible. And it's not a get rich quick type of scheme. It's, uh, you know, every day you're working on achieving your goals. But as I said here, 20 years after graduating from college, you know, doing the things that I have done over these 20 years, 20 years is going to come and go. I mean, the life that you're living 20 years from now is going to depend on what you did 20 years ago. And that's what this app will do. And that's why I'm out here trying to spread this message because I know what a difference it'll make in people's lives and not only their lives, but generations to come. So if you're listening to this podcast, check out the I Got Smarter app. Uh, what's your your favorite digital playground? Where, where can people best interact with you online on social? Yeah, I, I use Facebook. I'm really new to social media, so uh, I never right, used Facebook it until works. this I've business. Heard, I've heard of that one. That one's a good one. It's a big yeah. one. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah. Facebook. Yep. All right. And then you, you can find everything at nelsontressler.com. You know, Perfect. the book's there. And in fact, we're giving away, you know, 30 days, uh, the first 30 days free for the app. And another thing that we did, you know, is the app is $9 and 99 cents a month. Awesome. We made it to be very reasonable. That's awesome. Well, I love what you're doing, your story. Um, it's very obviously inspirational and um, it's been truly an honor. I, I see why Jason connected us. Um, I know the listeners are going to uh, to truly appreciate this, but it's, it's one thing to appreciate it. Do something with it. Absolutely. Do something with it. Share, share with, start with, start with someone close, start with your wife, start with your girlfriend, um, start with your husband, start with somebody you work with or your best friend, your best man. Um, but share those pain points and see where it takes you and then start to make some goals. 
use that app. Uh, check out check out the article um, that Ian and Stover will put out. Um, check us out on YouTube, Cali Barbecue Media. Please subscribe and let um, let other people know about the show. Nelson, truly an honor. I can't wait. Are, is there going to be another book in the future? Yeah, I think so eventually. But you know, it's, I think it's going to be a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's, it was a bit. It was a big lot of work to begin with. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we look forward to no matter what you do, uh, keep in touch. And like I said, once uh, now you're family, so anything you need from the, the barbecue media and digital hospitality teams, we're here for you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. 